You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Westwire uh, football podcast, MWR.com, where apparently we have a lot of people viewing our website. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually just passed um, like 1.2 million views for the year, which makes it our second best uh, year ever. So thank you to everybody who has stopped by between uh, January 1st and right now. Exactly. So yeah, MWR.com. Um, I don't think we can get the extra 300,000 by the end of the year, but you, you never know. know. You can dream big. <laughs> people might be that interested in like the Frisco Bowl. You never know. Totally. We'll get to that later. Yeah. People like my, uh, I was bored on Friday. I'm like, oh, pe- do people know what the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl is? Apparently, no, they did not. And I should have written something earlier about what the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl was. It was definitely something. We'll talk about that a little bit too. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel. I, I That was a game. It was a fun game. Interesting game. We're doing our, so what we're doing today, it's Matt. I'm Jeremy here. If you know, if you're first time listening, thank you. Welcome. And subscribe to the podcast because that's what we want you to do. Listen, subscribe. We'll have some fun. Matt's more serious to me, but we get to it. It's like on Twitter, Colorado State fans, dude, relax. Come on. We like the hire. Just don't get too cocky yet, right, Matt? I'm just saying. We'll, we'll, I, I talk, yeah. check. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We'll talk about that later, too. But bowl recap, first edition. So we're going to recap the 2-0 Mountain West teams, Fresno State, 31-24 over UTEP. 
in the um, PUBG Mobile and the Mexico Bowl, which I should not give a sponsor because it's free advertising for them because they don't pay us to say it. They pay the bowl games and TV. But other game is the LA Bowl, which we will say Jimmy Kimmel because it's awesome. Utah State also won over Oregon State 24-13. So bowl season's here, Matt. Let's just get to, let's just get to it right away because we're doing a lot of recording tonight. So we should probably bring this up as well because we're gonna, most likely the plan is to basically preview singular games. So you might see two to three to five podcasts this week. So check them out. It's all talking about the games. Kent State, Wyoming, UT, UTSA, San Diego State. So if it feeds inundated, they won't be hour plus like each one. So it'll be a quick uh, 20-ish minutes. Like if you listen to Split Zone Duo like you do, Matt, do we need to get the running clock of 30 minutes. And <laughs> no, but I mean, but think of it this way. Like it's, it's the holidays are almost here. Maybe you just need to like get away from your family for a little bit. We'll, we'll give you like, you know, 20, 20 something minutes for each game or something like that. Yeah, this one here will be able to longer the recap, but that's the plan. So if you're at Target, Costco, Sam's Club, shopping, just uh, put one of your bed in and walk around and just, uh, oh, yeah, that happened. So let's get to it. Fresno State UTEP, there was a safety in the game, which is always interesting. 31-24, as we discussed before, Matt, beginning of the game or beginning, beginning of the podcast, UTEP's offense is uh, fairly unique, and they do some interesting stuff. That jumbo package where it's basically – what four five tight ends in a quarterback yeah so so if you didn't watch the game it's real, like you could probably find videos of it on twitter and stuff like that but like the first time they broke out that that jumbo package it was what was it, it was like second and goal at the three yard line it didn't go very well and so so i was thinking to myself are they are they trying to run a quarterback and they ran a quarterback sneak you know they they run it with their backup quarterback um play brownholds mm-hmm. uh excuse me calvin brownholds um, and they only got a yard on that play. So I was thinking to myself, okay, we'll burn that page of the playbook, right? Nope. Um, so then, of it's course, then, then naturally, they, you know, they break it out later. It's like, you know, fourth and one um, near midfield. Um, pop pass goes for 51 yards for a touchdown. So that's maybe maybe saying. hold on to that play page of the playbook after all. Because that's that's what I liked. I'm like, I saw them do it. They, they did like three times on that first drive before they scored, like a couple of times. I'm like, I'm thinking like there's going to be a pass here. There's going to be a a play action bootleg to the opposite of the field, like a wide open big guy touchdown, potentially a, a tackle eligible receiver, one of those. But the, the little quick pass was uh, brilliant. I loved it. I, I was watching like, wait, what did I just see? It was, it's a unique place. So they had the end of rounds in there. They did. They had a couple of de- decent plays and UTEP's a pretty good team. Like they're, this game was interesting because UTEP was up, like kind of go in order of the game. I'm also using FY um, ESPN's box score again. Uh-huh. UTEP zero, Fresno State minus two. <laughs> At one point, it says, "I don't think that's accurate." That's uh, not accurate. No, <laughs> but there were, I mean, there it. were there were like I think four lead changes throughout the first quarter and into the second quarter, and then mm-hmm. you know from from there, I think you know UTEP had a they had a seventeen to nine lead at some point. Yeah, they're up seventeen nine. I do like the initial touchdown Fresno State score because remember they've interim coach it, Jeff Ted mm-hmm. first hang out in the press box. Uh, coach's box, whatever you want to call it, up, up high. You had the interim coach there. You don't have Ryan Grubbs. You don't have um, Kellen DeBoer. Jay Kaner did play, which not too surprising. There was a minimal question of technicality paperwork because he's intent to transfer mm-hmm. to UW, but did not. He came out playing no Ronnie Rivers, who was injured. But I do, how did you like the aggressiveness going for, even though they end up kicking an extra point but missing, but initially going for two with that unique formation where, whoops, the ball goes over my head. Maybe not. Oh, I was delighted by that. It, it always it always makes me wonder, like when teams dig deep into the playbooks during you know bowl season, especially why they don't do it more often in the regular season. They save it, Matt. I mean, I yeah, know, I, I know that, I know. but and and then of course you know it ended up getting you know called back by penalty, and then and then they missed the extra point after that. 
Um, and so, you know, in that first instance, I was thinking to myself, well, gosh, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt them sometime later. And then, right. you know, and then immediately after that, you know, UTEP went on a seven play 80 yard touchdown drive to, in, in, including a, a fourth and goal conversion where yeah. they went play action and you know, Gavin Hardison, the UTEP quarterback fooled everybody. And, and then, yeah, yeah and, and the wide receiver ended up being wide open in the back of the end zone for touchdown. Oh, sorry, the pass. I was looking at the play before. Yeah, the winner pass. Sorry. Yeah. So what was interesting was that, you know, neither of these teams looked like they were terribly shy about attacking what all year long had been a pair of pretty solid defenses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, while UTEP obviously benefited, I think maybe a little bit more by some what you might call trickeration, they were landing a lot of big plays in this game. Oh yeah, we could mention a fifty fifty-one yarder, a little quick pop pass and jumbo set. And they to me, the, and to me, that was stuff. sort of like you know, one of the big stories of the game is that like Artisan in particular was attacking down the field. And, and I was thinking, I was thinking back to the Mountain West Championship game, how we were say, seeing similar things out of like Logan Bonner against the Aztecs defense. You know, the, the, UTEP was not shy about going down the field. And, and they were I think great at passing. They are under 50, barely 50%, but like Curtis that's is only true. 25. Yeah. And that one brutal pick for 12, them that. Yeah. But even that, but even that throw was like, you know, it was 20, 30 yards to the end zone oh, or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, downfield. Yeah. But, but of course that went right to Elijah Gates. So that, that one didn't work out too well. But I think, you know, the, to me, the most remarkable thing is that they were hanging around basically the entirety of the game, despite the fact that Jacob Cowing was mostly a non-factor. And it wasn't for a lack of trying, you know, he ended up leading the minors with 10 targets, but he only had two catches for, for, for 24 yards. Well, the defense Fresno had kicked three field. I think it was a three field goals. They missed one. They were the UTEP defense stepped up big on third down. to force those kicks like it could have been, but it was also, but it was also that like almost every other UTEP receiver of note was stepping up. Oh yeah. What ended up, what ended up catching up to them though, was the fact that, you know, while they were, able to land like you know know, what seemed like one big play at least every single drive they weren't that efficient and so seven plays of 14 or more yards yeah so so that's where you know even though on a per play basis they ended up out gaining the bulldogs you know they they averaged seven yards per play which on its face looks pretty impressive but then you realize that that you know like you mentioned before hardison was only 12 of 27 and even though he had 252 yards as a team the 260 of their 398 total yards of offense came on just eight plays. Yeah. The, so the 50 something so, yarder pass. Yeah. So for those of you, who, so for those of you who don't like doing math, that means that um, that that's 65% of the UTEP's total yardage in this game. And they ran 57 total plays. So while they were landing, you know, any number of, of big plays basically throughout the game, you know, the, the Bulldogs were able to, you know, do other things to sort of shore up, shore that up, you know, one, like you mentioned, they won the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. And then also they were able to really shut down the miners running game, which hadn't been like great all year, but it had been a worthy compliment to that kind of downfield game. But you, you look at, you know, what the miners were able to do at the end of the game, their longest run was only 12 yards. And that was on a reverse uh, yeah, from for wide receiver, Justin Garrett. You know, the, Ottawa, Ottawa. Yeah, uh, you know, Awit uh, had 14 carries, 40 yards. Deion Hankins, six yeah. carries, 33 yards. Like that, that's a major win for that yeah. Bulldogs defense. So, so even though you know UTEP, UTEP did just as much damage in the red zone, even though they had you know any number of big plays throughout the game, you know what it ultimately comes down to is the fact that you know in terms of 
offensive success rate over the course of the game, Fresno State ended up with an advantage. You know, they had a 42% offensive success rate. UTEP was at 37. And that was more or less your game right there. Yeah, like, and then Jordan, Jordan Mims, we know is pretty good. Filled in, had one of his best games of the year for over Ronnie Rivers, who was out. He had three touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, over, what, 300, not 300, two, what, 250 total yards, five for 71 catch receiving, 165 on the ground. He was, this is basically what um, Ronnie Rivers did against Arizona State in the Vegas Bowl a couple years ago, one of those type of performances. Exactly. Where he's all over the field, catching, running, and nobody else ran the ball. Like, Kaner had three, three, three carries. Um, was it, was this the, um, I know you listened to Splits on Duo. Was it the Jake Hayner half yard prize pick or something? Is that what it was? They said. I was I did. You know what? I didn't hear that, so I'm not it was entirely something sure. Like that. I I want to say it was him, but it was something where yeah, it was like well, he get over half a yard, mm-hmm. and he had three carries for two yards. So that <laughs> winner think, winner winner for those of you who picked that, right? Yeah, I think that's what it was. But they it was something weird. Like okay, because his like with it with sack yards, his total on the year was like very few yards. Mm-hmm. No, it was Jake Hayner. I remember them specifically saying, "Don't you think there'll be like a, a broken thirty nine yard play where he gets like six yards or something because there's a he rolls out and there's nothing there and he just takes it because yeah." exactly he had for the year i want to try to find it because now i'm interested in it but he we know he's not a big rusher he it's not gonna take time whatever not many yards just very few he may have ended up with like three yards in the whole year yeah but his passing ability obviously a really good game 26 to 41 finding all the receivers dylan cropper obviously had a huge game like maybe not huge but nine catches pat basically fresno the way it played out it's kind of how their offense wanted to accept when it stalled here or there where they were held the field goals. Yeah. Like Jake and Keener even caught his own pass was minus eight yards. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, the offense wasn't able to generate a lot of big plays of its own. Like they weren't of always of like the 20, 30, 40 yard variety, like it was for UTEP, yeah. but, you know, they, especially through the air, you know, Hainer ended up with, you know, 10 passing plays that, that qualify as chunk plays. And that added up to 208 yards, you know, by themselves. Mm-hmm but they were able to complement that with a, a defensive performance that was just a little bit better than what UTEP was able to accomplish. So even though like a lot of the stats don't necessarily jump out, you know, they only had two sacks. They only had four TFLs, but they made plays when it counted. You know, you like mentioned, down. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you mentioned the safety, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, gave them a little bit of breathing room down the stretch. You know, there was the, you know, the Hardison scramble that would have been a first down. And then, you know, Lee Bell Bailey, who, you know, just minutes earlier got, you know, looked like what had been a, a significant injury, you know, lower body injury. He came back in, forced a fumble on that play that Fresno State was able to recover. And, and, and of course, the Elijah Gates interception in the red zone. So, like, even though the offense wasn't always able to take, you know, advantage of every single one of those opportunities, the defense definitely did its part as well. So, even though they, they absorbed some haymakers, they did just enough to, to you know come away with a win in the end but also the field goal only one was within the red zone field goal so two yeah. were long one was at the four yard line but the defense the reason they kind of they held them sight to safety which is almost a fumble for a touchdown because the ball got knocked away and that's some yeah that was a good good heads up play to land to get get the ball just keep going pushing it back but one of ten on third down utep was known to go for a lot of third downs or fourth downs or three to three so that was a pretty big bump. That's a huge play for them. They can continue to get drives, but the one of 10 on third down, minus two turnovers, um, more penalties, not yardage, but total penalties were against UTEP. Um, couldn't run the ball very well. Like they passed well, but it was all giant plays or a bad play, essentially, is what UTEP All or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And, and it was still a 31 24 game. And 
UTEP's an exciting. I kind of wish I watched them a touch more because what like they ran a unique set of offense with Dana Dimmel. Then last year, I don't recall what they did because all their games didn't play because COVID and stuff. And they're this is good. It's fun when they're good because they used to be oh, their team used to be kind of pest plucky and pretty good back in the day. Well, 20 years ago or something, like when they're in the whack and all that type of stuff. Before yeah. they're always a decent team. They've had decent players out there, but they have a fun, unique offense. Like if they could get, get a little more balance and not like said all or nothing, it's fine. It we're almost hey, it's almost working. Like they're still look, it's a one touchdown game, and they were terrible on third downs, minus two turnovers, and they're holding Fresno State to field goals. Exactly. Like, had they done a couple things better, they they honestly could have won this game if it was not out of reach by any stretch when they're winning also 19 was 19 7 we said they had a yeah. first half lead until fresno came back to go up 19 17 at halftime like they were down and then that third quarter fresno kept it going so that midway second quarter through the third quarters where for where fresno stepped up and utep was kind of not doing not playing as well as they did they picked up in the fourth quarter a bit with their touchdown mm-hmm. but they also missed a field goal theirs was uh, kind of long i believe yeah 50 something yard or 52 but that middle, the middle part of the game, like that middle eight minutes or so, whatever, or not even eight minutes, but 20 minutes, maybe second period to third period was they weren't going very well for them. They had only, if this drive starts correct, like that the midfield goal and then punt, there weren't many possessions in that third quarter for anybody. Because no. Fresno had a eight play drive, UTEP had eight play drive, they had the three and out, and then they didn't get touched until the start of the fourth quarter because they, they nobody had the ball very much in that third period. So, if they don't get the safety, who knows what happens? Because it was 29-24, UTEP with the ball. Safety kind of did them in because you're down a touchdown and then goes back to Fresno State. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the end of it where it's, if you're a UTEP fan, it's kind of unfortunate where it comes down to like, ah, oh, one play, not one play, but just kind of a, a, an important play late in the game. And Because how much time was that safety? What, there's like seven minutes left? Mm-hmm. And then that was it. And, you, and Fresno just ran the clock out in the final drive after the other fumble, the other turnover which is really killer. So the back-to-back possessions did you tap in. It's a good game, all, good game all the way around, though. Yeah, solid game. Anything else you want to add about the season, the game, anything else? Because I know we're going to kind of make this a bit shorter, but this was a – like, I noticed Jay Kaner was technically a senior. Is he officially coming back? I'm under is the – I mean, I would assume, like, if he was in the for the NFL, he probably would have made an announcement already. Yeah, this um, is kind of weird because weird I'm like – I just brought it up because I saw senior. I'm like, well, he's going to UW, grad transfer or whatnot. So that's why I was kind of wondering. But I'm guessing he is, right? It seems – I mean, it seems like that's Turning, the most likely thing, yeah. So what? So for the big picture season, was this what you expected, 10-3? and Because this – I'm still going to write the post. I haven't done it yet. I need to get to it about how we our preseason projection sucked, essentially, like everybody's does. But was 10-3 and three overachieving for you? It's kind of a quick look back on the season. See, I'm I'm trying to pull up uh, the spreadsheet, the, the big old so spreadsheet. <laughs> and so I, I guess it, it was maybe a slight overachievement because I did have them going eight and four. I didn't have them winning the division. And then, of course, they didn't. But I think by and large, the season went about how I expected it to for the Bulldogs. You know, some they, they won some games I thought they might lose and they lost, you know, at least one game like the Hawaii game that I thought yeah. they might win. But, you know, on the whole... You know, it's like I said, it's always hard to go unbeaten. But I think given the circumstances, given, you know, the, given the injuries, given the, you know, the the the, the, the clunkers that they had occasionally, I think, you know, they, they went down south, they beat UCLA, you know, they had another 10 win season. It's really hard to complain. And and even though, you know, they're turning the page as far as the, the current coaching staff is concerned, you know, they're, you know there's a lot of optimism, I think. And it's, and it's well-earned, I would say. 
So I have my spreadsheet now. I predicted them a 10 and 2 regular season. So you weren't you weren't far off either. I was, we were close. Like I think most people, they were one of the teams in preseason. We'll go probably do like kind of a re- recap of the year down mm-hmm. through January, February. But I felt like you did too that they weren't that far off from Nevada, San Diego State, or Fresno. I think they're predicted. Were they still third? I believe right. Or they were the San Jose State get ahead of them. I don't recall. I but yeah, I don't were, have that in front of me. I want to say third, but they were close. People were not giving them as much respect to be as close as they did. I had to beat new beating UCLA, mm-hmm. Oregon loss, and Nevada, the Oregon Nevada are my two losses. But they they were from the masses. They overachieved a bit, but for me, they're probably about where I thought they would have been, which is an awesome ten and three year, man. There you go. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, next game. Oh, boy. I was – first off, Utah State 24, Oregon State 13. Jimmy Kimmel, L.A. Bull, and they give away belts in this game, which is awesome because Jimmy Kimmel is a showman for awards. You had the sideline reporter attempting to eat that sandwich he made and all that type of stuff. But backup quarterback leads the way for Utah State. But can I say, um, I wasn't on Twitter a ton because I was working a bit, so I didn't see this live. I kind of caught it afterwards in our DMs. Our guys were down there, some of them watching the game, but I was a bit concerned in that first quarter for Utah state. Or did you have that same feeling? Not that they were playing bad. Like I know we mentioned on oh, Mexico state, they're not playing good. They're this or that. They're struggling. I just felt the way, the way the game was going, 
it did not seem in Utah State's favor, at least through the first quarter. Because Oregon State comes out, super quick touchdown, back-to-back punts, an interception by Utah State and Oregon State, and those guys wanted to go for it because, like, well, we're we're seven wins. We want to get a victory. Fourth and three at a good spot to field to go for it because that's what you do, incomplete pass. Like, chance the didn't get done. But I was – after the interception, I was a bit concerned for Utah State's. See, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily shared the same concern, if only because, you know, the the Aggies had often gotten off to slow starts this year, but I don't know if I would necessarily characterize that first quarter as a slow start. I'm just concerned. I say they moved the ball, both drives were seven plays each. Yeah. And I think just the score and what was going on, I'm like, dang, it just wasn't go. Let me put it this way. It just wasn't, doesn't seem to be going their way at that moment. And it's only 7-0. I know it was close. But I'm like, it just had a feeling it's not at the moment. It's not looking great. But then they had a touchdown, and they started making a comeback. So that was I just what, my I, what I was most encouraged by was the fact that, you know, after the interception that Bonner threw, you know, Oregon State puts together a drive. It looks like, you know, they've got a, a little bit of momentum behind them. You know, they can they get an 11-yard pass on third and 14, and they go for it on fourth and three at the 39-yard line, Utah State's 39-yard line. Which you should. Yeah, and then I would say I would agree with that decision. Utah State found a way to make a stop, and and even though they did, they weren't necessarily able to you know turn that around immediately. I think the fact that the defense you know got you know they got pushed a little bit in that first quarter, but then you know they found ways bit. to make a couple stops. You know they they forced an Oregon State punt on the next drive, and then you know even with Bonner you know getting hurt it late hurt, in that yeah. first quarter. You know, they come out, you know, Cooper, Cooper, Cooper Lega, yeah, 62-yard pass to, to Devin Tompkins, and all of a sudden the entire tenor of the game changed. Don't undersell that. First career pass ever, 62-yard touchdown pass, and took a hit. Yeah. Dude, it's – everything's like, what is going on? Like, I'm done playing – like, now it's like, retire, done, game over. It's like, that has to be – because the offense is moving, your starter goes out, it's like, oh, crap, they, Andrew Peasley's not available to play. And it's like – this guy who has never thrown a pass ever in college football comes in and makes a huge play. And yeah. I, I can't remember like, who put the tweet out there. Apparently he's the first quarterback in FBS history to have yeah. his first ever pass be a he's touchdown in a bowl game. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I, I don't know who, but it was on the broadcast as well. I believe as well. They mentioned it, but like that has to be a shot in arm after going from, Oh crap. Our quarterback is out and we're playing okay not great we improved a little bit the past couple of drives where we stopped them we moved the ball on the first couple and then he gets hurt and goes out and then he come cooper comes in and throws it deep for a touch like like why not take a shot because it's like who cares like i love that play call because if a new guy he's like why why ease him in with a handoff to like noah or calvin tyler you know what i mean like no go deep you have the one of the best receivers in college football future nfl talent just chuck it deep and see what happens mm-hmm and he chucked it deep, and they got the touchdown. <laughs> and the interception before, which is almost the same thing, where they just go deep and just have to be kind of overthrown to touch, the one in the end zone, or not mm-hmm. end zone, but deep one. But it's like that was a huge play and, and a huge burst of energy for Utah State. That was amazing. And then the defense comes back and holds them to a field goal. They don't allow them to, even though that was a, a freaking long drive, what, 13 plays, they just kept moving and moving and moving, and the Utah State's defense – yeah, Not I mean, it's, played it, really seems, good. it seems like a strange thing to say, considering that they, they got outgained on a per play basis throughout the game. You know, Oregon State averaged 6.3 yards per play. Utah State only averaged 5.1. I, 
I kind of think, you know, given the circumstances, given this Beavers offense and how dangerous it was, this was their best overall defensive performance of the year. Well, yeah, they had a third down, oh, two fourth down. So. Yeah, and that, that's including the championship game. That's including all the games that they played down the stretch when they were playing, you know, the, I would say their most complete, you know, games of the year. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, they, they solved what to, to me was, you know, their biggest question was, could they get pressure on Chance Nolan? Well, look at the manager, three sacks, five TFLs. Holy crap, that guy is amazing. Yeah, and and I think and I think part him. of part of what enabled them to you know hang around in the first half and eventually go into halftime and lead is the fact that they had three sacks in that first half, which in oh. itself was I think I, for, I forget and again I forget to put it out there, so I apologize, but that was the most sacks in itself that Oregon State had given up all year long. You know, we talked you know beforehand how they were you know as a unit uh, a Joe Moore Award finalist, same as Air Force, same as a couple of other teams out there. But, you know, that was that had been one of their biggest strengths all year long. So the fact that Nick Henninger was able to go out there and not only have three sacks, but have five TFLs as well. Like that was huge. Like, you That's know, including playing defenses like Utah, who has Devin Lloyd, top 10 pick, playing Kayvon Thibodeau in Oregon, like really good defenders in the back 12. Yeah. And, 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 and as a unit, like even though you know, as they didn't have as many TFLs as I thought they might need to, to win the game, you know, Henninger had five, um, the rest of the team had you know, <laughs> one. That's like, that's ridiculous, five. But, he, but, like, the, he's so but, good. but the front, but the front seven played exceptionally well because, you know, BJ Baylor, you know, okay. he was, he was the Pac-12's leading rusher this year. They held him to 78 yards on 18 carries and, and really you know, almost half of that was wrapped up in two plays. You know, he had a 12 yard gain in the first quarter, you know, on their first drive, he had a 20 yard gain in the fourth quarter when they were trying to rally. And, you know, other than that, they had, you know, and they had a 20 yard touchdown from their backup, Josiah Irish. They had a couple yeah. of scrambles. Chance on, yeah. But, but other than that, you know, that front seven in particular played exceptionally well, you know, Henninger of course had the big game up front, you know, Justin Rice had the critical forced fumble in the fourth quarter that you know more or less stunted the beepers rally so you know so even though the offense sort of you know i would say they they sputtered a little more in the second half than they did in the first half they did just enough and the defense did more than its share to make that stand up so you know even though the big plays definitely tapered off after the 62 yard touchdown run you know one thing i would say is like you know you called calvin tyler jr as as, as being one of the more important players anywhere in the game you know, he Boom. A, look he at his health in back. Just like, saying. He, like he didn't have a lot of home run runs, but he had five chunk plays that added up to 62 yards. And for the game, 26 carries, 120 yards. That's exactly the kind of performance they needed out of him in that game. Yeah. Like he, before he got hurt mid season, he was leading the mountain West in like rushing. Like he was that, he was really good up there nationally. And yeah, I think it was a foot, foot injury. I want to say, but he yeah. came in. Like I didn't honestly, I didn't expect him to have this type of game because Oregon State, they, well, we'll get him second, but I expect like oh, if he has a decent game, obviously he can like maybe what BJ Baylor did about 80 yards, 15, mm-hmm. 18 carries. Oh, that'd be good enough. And he played like he did earlier in the year. And it worked the crazy thing about Oregon State is that when they played Utah, like Utah's rush defense is really good. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Baylor leads the nation rushing. Like UTEP when or not Utah, sorry. I don't know why I say Utah, I have the page open still. But Oregon State, when they played Utah, like they ran up and down Utah, which is crazy because Utah's rush defense is really, really good. And Utah State played 
admirably and played quite well with, like I said, only four yards of carry, 4.2, but 150 yards, nothing amazing. That was more than Utah State because sack yardages and Savon Scarver losing the 10 yards, a couple stuff like that. But also penalties. Oregon State kind of killed themselves a lot of this. 13 freaking penalties for Oregon State. Yeah. Not helpful for them. And so that kind of stalled a lot of drives. Um, Utah State has also lost a turnover margin, but that defense made fourth and 12 on third down, 0 and 2 on fourth down. Like even Nolan was still a solid 21 to 30 passing the ball. Like he in 263, he played pretty well passing, but no touchdowns. And they threw it a million different receivers. And so they were slinging the ball to who was open out there. But when it came down to, all right, they needed to play on third down, they more often than not were not able to get it done. And me and Tristan Rice, you have like Henninger, everybody back there making plays for Utah State. Like you mentioned a fumble, Rice got the force fumble and turnover on downs. And like end of the game, like the interception end of the game, like and the game was already in hand, but so you get interception in the game. Fine. That's good. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, like was, it was definitely like, a, it was definitely a team effort. Like if it wasn't one guy stepping up to make a huge play, you know, like, it, you know, and it wasn't always about just turnovers either. Like, you know, there was the, the fourth down, I want to say it was like fourth and 13, fourth and 12. And, and Nolan completes a pass to their tight end and, you know, Luke Musgrave and, I believe it was Shaq Bond in coverage who did, you know, just enough to slow him down so that, you know, a Johnny Carter and Andre Gracie could come in and, you know, shut him down basically less than a yard from a first down. And that that was late in the game. Yeah. So like that, that's not something that's going to show up on the stat sheet as more than just like, you know, an assisted tackle, but that is sort of emblematic of, of what the team, what the defense in particular was able to do in this game. Yeah. They were everywhere. This was an exciting game. Like, like I, I kind of like I was concerned early on, but once it settled, I'm like, okay, it was just them being down and the interceptions. Like, oh man, what's going on? Backup comes in, but this is this is amazing. Like what they did this year, like Blake Anderson. Like I have votes for like the coach of the year stuff. I think I put Blake Anderson one or two nationally. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to remember. It's the uh, Eddie. There's two coaching awards: Eddie Robinson and then some other one. So I remember. I think I put. <sighs> I know I put him top three somewhere. I, there's five votes you can put in there. I put him in the top one or two. I may put Jim Harbaugh number one because I think he did a really good job for Michigan for kind of what they've been doing recently. But Blake Anderson's up there. The NIU coach should be up there. You had a lot of guys up there who's really good. But like Brady Hoke, great job, Aztecs. And, but he should have won coach of the year. He is doing amazing things there. And having your guy who never played all ever and you win this game, like what team could – not many teams, not named like Alabama when Nick Saban pulls Tua at the championship game. Yeah. In, um, who did he bring in? Um, Jalen Hurts to win the national title against the Clemson or whoever they beat, Georgia or whoever, one of the two. Like, there's not many, especially that's like obviously that's a much bigger spot, but never playing all year. You're probably a scout team quarterback. You probably let, he may not even be a scout team quarterback. He just might be QB number three. I don't know how many reps he got with Peasley being not available, but if you're QB three, you're literally getting. 10 reps a week with in with the third team guys. You're not getting that ton of reps anyways. Because mm-hmm. why? What's the point? You're a guy who's not not going to play because you're third string quarterback. Not like you're the third running back or third tight end or third receiver or third DB. Those guys see a little bit, but third receiver obviously a lot. But he doesn't get any care, any reps in practice. He's not doing anything. He's just watching film and staying sharp however he can on his own, typically after practice doing those things. He's not getting many reps of any. Mm-hmm. Unless he's scout team guy, which means you're emulating emulating Chance Nolan during fall camp, or excuse me, not fall camp, but the bowl practices, which is kind of like fall camp. Yeah, fifteen workouts they get. But so this team, Utah State, we'll kind of wrap it up here. 
they have um, Calvin Tyler coming back. They have, um, I believe, Logan Bonner is able to return as well, correct? Or is he mm-hmm. done? You know what? I, I wish I could remember the know. entire list of super seniors on every team. COVID. I know Devin Tompkins already announced he's going pro. He said that after the Mountainous title game. Um, Logan Bonner is a junior here, listed here. So he probably has, could have two years of eligibility, but at least one. Mm-hmm. I don't see him going anywhere. Like this team, not to, get too, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but with what they've shown, who they can get in the portal because they bring guys in and being this successful will attract players who want to play for a team that can win. Like the running back that is coming back. I know Bryce is gone because he's transferred a million times. He's not coming back. Um, is Henninger able to return? I'm sorry, I'm just throwing names at you and just talking. But key players, when you have quarterback, running back, and a good coach, you're going to be pretty good. Like they're not going to be an issue next year of them sleeping on anybody. I don't know if they were there. We predicted that's a lot going on because things can happen. Because you do lose your top two receivers, like Brandon Bowling, most likely gone. Again, super senior stuff, I have no idea. Tompkins is gone. So that's kind of a little bit concerned. Replenish that receiving group and one of the best ever to play at your school. So there's a couple of those guys. But, yeah, Henninger will be gone as well. But it, they're a team where it's a one-year turnaround, which one to ten wins. I know one wins relative with how many games they played. But the dip they've had, like they had to dip under Matt – with Matt Wells, I remember a time they want him fired, Matt Wells, for him not doing well. Well, when he goes on Texas Tech, and then that's the, another story. But it, I don't, who knows how long Anderson will be here? Just because you know how it is, like Utah State, any Mountain West job, like oh, do really good, get the call up somewhere else. But the future is still good. Like with what you saw, the, your third string quarterback comes in and leads your team to victory over Pac-12 team. Yeah, I mean, I was looking back through kind of the the annals of Mountain West history, trying to think of. A, a team that you could compare this year's Aggies team to your Fresno state team a couple of years ago. And, but I don't even know if that's accurate though, because Why? Utah state got off to a faster start than, okay. than Fresno state did that year. The, the year that they turned it around, it was, you know, 2017, they came out and they were two and two, they made a switch at quarterback. And then, you know, like it was, it was, was finally ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely more of a, like a defensive thing and they weren't necessarily blowing people away in the same way that, 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 that this year's Utah State did, you know, there there have been teams in, especially in recent years, it seems like that have sort of come out of nowhere to to take the Mountain West by storm. You know, Fresno State in 2017 was one. Last year, San Jose State was one. But I was having a hard time finding a team that was exactly like this one, where you know they they came in, they had like a bunch of incoming you know transfer talent as well as a, you know, a, 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 a substantial amount of returning talent from, from Gary Anderson beforehand. And they just, you know, they found a way to get off to a fast start, you know, and obviously they were, you know, defying the odds in some respects early in the year. And then, you know, what, if you, if you were calling them lucky early in the year, you had to call them just like flat out good by the end of the year, you know, that oh, like the, the team, oh, that they yes. were, the team that they were putting out there in November was not the same team, in my opinion, that they were, you know, that they were in September. I think they were just a more complete team, which is not only a credit to, to Anderson, it's a credit to you know, both of those coordinators, Anthony Tucker on offense, Ephraim Banda on defense. You know, they were putting, they were just a more complete team down the stretch, especially in the second half of the year. And, you know, they, like, it, it's hard to say that they peaked, let's say, but they definitely had a pair of their best performances of the year in the title game against the Aztecs and in this bowl game against the Beavers, both of which were very good teams in their own right. Yeah. And so, and so like, you know, so, so long story short, like in, as far as I could tell, 
at least in the Mountain West, there really has not been another team like this Aggies team. And it may be, it may be a long time before we see one like it again. Yeah, it's like the closest one, like that Fresno team that came from nowhere. Like they would be like if, well, any team that goes zero to two wins and comes out and wins the conference or in the title game would be in consideration. Yeah, so it was just, even, wins, but even that, historically, that, that hasn't happened very often in the Mountain West. Yeah, it's just these two, Fresno and Utah State. You know what I mean? Like two or fewer wins to go to title, it's like it's very difficult. Um, so anything else we add about the games the weekend? Any other amusings about just Mountain West stuff? Like I kind of um, – Tell some Rams fan to keep it in check, but that's about it. Anything <laughs> else exciting going on? Uh, no, I think that, I think we're pretty much all set for right now. All right, so we'll wrap it up here. MWR.com podcast. Check it out. Subscribe. Wherever you get your podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple. I particularly use Pocket Casts. I forget what's your service of choice, Matt? I typically use Spotify. Spotify, okay. So get it wherever you get your podcast. Uh, let us know. Go give us a high five. Give, give us a review. Follow us on Twitter, MWC Wire which we did surpass 5,000 uh, followers recently. So we got a little bit of surge there. So appreciate that. And we'll be back again. This is rapid fire week, man. We're doing right before Christmas. We're getting you set up, getting you pumped up, getting ready. So stay tuned for our next bowl previews. We have uh, what we got, Matt? Frisco bowl, potato bowl, Hawaii bowl, all those coming up. Um, Arizona bowl, quick lane bowl. Did I get them all? Yeah. I think so. Did yeah, I, one? I believe so. I think we're good. If not, Hey, guess what? If I didn't say it, we still have it coming up. So, until next time, um, just keep hitting subscribe and just hit play, make a playlist of Mountain West Wire and just go next next show, next episode.